Hello Christchurch and welcome to the very first of our deeper videos and it's good to have Rob with us. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening whenever you're watching this. Whatever time of day it is. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're in Australia, oh, it makes no difference. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't even know what day people will be watching this. That's the incredible thing about this. Not even what year. That's... <laughs> so uh, this is the first in our deeper series. Uh, so what we're doing with this is we, uh, we are looking at the, the sermon and the passage from the Sunday before and just going a little bit deeper. And we're actually going to go deeper, wider and further. So deeper into the passage, wider in terms of thinking about how we apply the passage, because that's really important, isn't it? Uh, and then further in that we'll, we'll just give you a couple of questions to think about, either on your own or in your missional communities. So let's crack on with this. You ready, Rob? I'm ready. Great. So why, why don't you kick off? Because obviously I preached on, on the, the, well, half of this passage anyway on Sunday morning. Uh, what, what kind of struck you in this passage? What came, came out for you? Well, I, I love Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a passionate man. And, and anybody who knows me knows that I like passionate men. Uh, <laughs> That, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? What jumps out at me, really, I, was verses 11 and 12 really jumped out at me. You know, you talked on Sunday a lot about opposition. And what jumped out at me when verses 11 and 12 was, there was opposition from the outside. It says, our enemies said, you know, before they know it or see us. You know, so we all accept that. You know, we're going to have opposition from the outside. But verse 12 says, then they... Jews who lived near them came and told them ten times over, uh, wherever you turn, they will attack us. And it, it jumped out at me that, you know, there was Nehemiah and his band of merry men and women, these, these Jews committed to his vision. But yet there was other Jews living around the area who were mm. utterly not committed. Yeah. Uh, and who were just trying to demoralize them. Maybe they felt embarrassed. Maybe they, I, we don't know exactly what the, the motivation was, but they were trying to utterly demoralize them. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it, uh, that Nehemiah writes, uh, they came at us 10 times with this. Yeah. <laughs> on and, and on that, and on they went. On and on and on, yeah. And sometimes that's what opposition's like, isn't it? You know, it's a little thing sometimes, but it niggles away at us and keeps on and on and on and on uh, until we get deflated, demoralized. Uh, or even worse, given it's it's that ongoing thing. Sometimes, it's not necessarily the big threats of violence. It's the little niggle that just keeps going and going and going. That can be just as hard to cope with. And then you take your eyes off the prize. Yeah, they, they actually couldn't see what they were achieving. You know, you know, yeah. the glass half full and the glass half empty. The walls were half full. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, and it's interesting, isn't it? You know, for 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 us as Christians, as we think about some of the things that we, we want to do for Jesus, uh, and we always wonder about whether you know, Satan's going to oppose us, whether it's going to be non-Christians, it is just as likely to be Christians who yes. just niggle away at us. Uh, in, you know, in, in the way that it's Jews here who are saying to Nehemiah and the rest of the people of Jerusalem, you know, this is what they're all saying, it's all terrible, we're never going to do this, we're, all, <laughs> we're doomed, we're all going to die. Um, yeah. Uh, and for, for anything that we want to achieve, you know, and as we talk about what we're trying to do in Southport, it might be Christians who want to discourage 
or demoralises. Uh, I don't think we have to worry about judging these Christians. They're on their own track. They've got their own life to live and they'll come before God and have to stand before him. What we have to do is not get diverted by it or put off by it. You know, we don't have to listen. You know, our enemies say this. Who cares what our enemies say? What is God saying? Mm. You know, that's, that's the biggie, isn't it? What is God saying? Let's follow what God's saying, not what the enemy's saying. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And then I kind of love how Nehemiah responds to this. I mean, we talked about the response on... Um, on Sunday as being, you know, he prayed, he remembered, and, you know, persevered. Uh, but to go deeper with the how he responds, he gets them to do two things, doesn't he? He gets them to both pray and to work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's both and, you know, trust God, but also work flipping hard. You know, you've got to keep going. Um, it's both of those things together. And... We sometimes forget, don't we, that building anything in the kingdom of God sometimes requires really hard work. It takes graft. Uh, it's not there were different people with different gifts. Yeah. You know, not everybody did everything. You know, people specialised. Some people that we all hate were multi-talented. Yeah. <laughs> I could do lots of stuff. Uh, but, but, you know, they, they all had their part to play. You know, the wall was built because they all played their part. Yeah. Yeah, but I like what Nehemiah says when he when he chooses how to describe God. You, we could describe God in 150 different ways, and he goes for great and awesome. You know, was it was obviously what was needed for these people. You know, we are serving a great and awesome God. Yeah, exactly. I like that word. I'm sure it's a trendy word to use just now. Awesome. I think it used to be trendy. I'm not so sure now. <laughs> But even that word remember, you know, the Hebrew has a connotation of remembering something that has already happened. You know, that's what remembering is, but remembering specifically past acts. And of course, you know, the, the, the Jewish people had a whole history of things that God had done where he had conquered their enemies. Yeah. Uh, and Nehemiah is calling them back to that. You know, remember what God has done in the past. We may have been in exile now, but that's because of our own sinfulness and selfishness and stupidity but yeah. remember also that god has delivered us in the past i, I also got the, the impression that part of that remembering it was an act of worship yeah it, yeah it wasn't just an intellectual process of i remember when god parted the waves it, it was feeding into this awesomeness uh, the god that we worship is this awesome god remember his awesome and greatness you know, mm. that mighty God, yeah. which is pretty cool. It is. And yeah, I love that idea of worship and remembering going together because that's what worship should remember, help us remember who God is and what he's done and remember his character. And, you know, all those kind of things, worship should help us remember. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he, he then says, you know, because of that, don't be afraid of them. You don't have to be afraid. And, you know, one of the things that we often find with Christians, especially when there's something big to do, is that fear grips them. To, you know, it's, it's like they want to go through every what if. Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And how do we cope with this? And it's almost as if fear paralyzes people. Yeah. Uh, and so Nehemiah, you know, who is, you know, is an incredible leader here, uh, he calls them to not be afraid, 
to not allow the circumstances to dictate what happened, how they behave, you know, dictate their actions. Yeah. It, it gives them a choice, really. I thought it's quite, uh, I think, uh, it's interesting trying to work out what kind of character was Nehemiah. How did he put things over? We can only guess how he put things over, like we do with all Bible characters. But I think Nehemiah was a pretty black and white kind of uh, guy. Yeah. You know, he called a spade a spade and a spear a spear. Yeah. And, uh, and in verse kind of 16, he kind of just says, you know, suck it up. We're going to have opposition. It's going to take longer mm. because we're going to have opposition. And you can imagine people complaining, oh, we can't get this wall built. We've got to spend half the time guarding it. It's not fair. You know, what's God doing? Nehemiah just isn't interested in that kind of wallowing. We are going to have opposition. Anything worthwhile is going to come at a price. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the, and they do pay a price, don't they? Not just in terms of the opposition, but just in terms of the hard work they have to put in. Yeah. You know, so in the last couple of verses, last three verses, uh, it talks about how from the first light of dawn till the stars come out. What a poetic way of putting that. Yeah. Uh, that they worked all day. Um, and normally within that culture, there'd have been an afternoon rest, a siesta type of thing. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem that they did that. Uh, so that they were prepared to sacrifice, to put in the hard work in order to see the vision fulfilled. Verse 17 is comical, but it's also gobsmacking. It says those who are carrying the materials, so if you're carrying the bricks to rebuild yeah. the wall, you've got to carry it in one hand, because your other hand, you've got to carry a spear. Yeah. That's hard work. That is. That is hard work. Yeah. It's also very clever what Nehemiah does here because uh, so those who are carrying stuff as a spit, you know, a weapon in one hand and they carry stuff with the other, those who were laying the bricks, they had their swords at their side in the because you know, they needed two hands to be able to lay the bricks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you can see what's going on there. You know, they are being as prepared as possible yeah. for enemy attack. It's the full armor of God, isn't it? The twenty well, I suppose. Uh, applying it, it's the full armor of God. Don't yeah. be naive to to the, the the fiery darts of the enemy. You know what? How he's going to try and get at us? Exactly. And I think you know one of the things that this speaks to me about, unsurprisingly, uh, is prayer. Mm. You know, when we think about how we how we fight in the spiritual battle, you know, prayer is a major part of that. Um, and here, you know, there were some who were doing the work and some who were watching and ready to fight. Uh, and that that's just like church, really, isn't it? You know, that sometimes there are people who are getting st- stuck in and getting their hands dirty, and there are others who are praying for that work. Yeah. You know, that, that's kind of the whole kind of body of, of Christ image. Uh, and sometimes it's reversed. You know, it's those who have been working sometimes go through a season where they should be praying for what's going on, what the others are then doing. But sometimes a bit like the... Um, like these people, we have to both work and pray. We have to be a season, in the sense of urgency that comes in those last few verses. You know, they're determined to get this job done quickly. Yeah. So I think sometimes, so, so with, with prayer, uh, I've read a brilliant book by Paul Yonge Cho, Prayer Key to Revival. You know, it's 25 years old now. Yeah, but he talks book. about the, the spiritual battles in the heavenly realms. And mm. he talks about how long he spends in prayer in Europe compared to South Korea because we're such a satanic part of the world, he has to spend a lot longer in prayer clearing 
the communication between him and God. And that's reality. We know about Daniel having the angel preventing coming because of a spiritual battle. And I just don't think we can be naive that there is a spiritual battle and prayer is a key component in us achieving our vision because it can clear that the, the, the airwaves are working with simplicity. Yeah. In fact, Nehemiah would probably say it's both prayer and work. You know, I yeah. think if anyone said to him, yeah, uh, I'll just be at the back praying, he'd be like, <laughs> no, no, go and grab a brick. You know, yeah. you've you got to pray and work. You can pray yeah. while, you, while, you, while you lay. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, it, it's the praying without ceasing, as Paul said. You know, the, yeah. you, know you, you have to be doing the work and also praying. It's not just one or the other. It's, you know, we sometimes get caught up in that. Some yeah. people don't like to get their hands dirty, and, and you need people who are intercessors. Yes. But sometimes we all need to, in times of urgency, we all need to be carrying bricks and carrying our weapons. You know, we need to be doing yeah. both. Before we finish, just looking into the passage, is there anything else that you want to pick up on? I just think verse, um, verse 14, remember what we're fighting for. Yeah. Uh, he, he reminds them, you're fighting for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, you know, your homes. And I think for us at Christchurch, and for each individual Christian, but us as a, as a body, as a community, we need to know what our vision is. Remember what we're trying to achieve. Mm. And I think, as me individually, you know, myself and Simon often laugh about this, you know, can I quote the, the six different, but the five key parts of, of the vision? Do, do I, have I eaten it, to use Peterson's words, you know, you know is it part of me? Do I know what I, why I'm doing this? If you don't know why you're doing it, it's a lot easier to get despondent. Yeah, yeah. You know, why am I putting this brick on this brick? You know, what's this wall all about, you know? Exactly. And that's a nice segue into our next section where we were going to think a little bit about what's the application out of this passage? And let's think through that. So Rob, uh, what, what kind of things do you want to draw out of that that you want to apply to your life and you think others should apply to their lives too? What's, what are the key points? Well, for me, a really good thing for me, I'm trying to find that actual verse, is we're, we're in this together. This is a community. We've, yeah. got our, we've got our individual roles, you know, be carrying bricks, laying or whatever, but this is a, as a community. And it says somewhere that when the, come on, you, you, you find it quicker than me, you know, when the battle comes, we'll sound the trumpet and you come. Yes. You, you come. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Verse 20. Verse 20, is it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whatever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. You know, this is a collective fight. You know, and if one's struggling, we're all struggling. We mm. join us there. It's a community. We're trying to achieve something, you know, together. Is that, exactly. it was a, it's a little bit wet, but it's not wet. I think it's vitally important to understand that. It is. And, you know, again, that goes back to Ephesians 6 and the armour of God, you know, and how Roman soldiers would set themselves up, you know, as a both a defensive and attacking unit. You know, they were together. Yeah. Um, you know, like one of my uh, favourite films is Gladiator, where you see some <laughs> of that, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely, unity is important. And it's not just unity, it's being prepared to fight for one another. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, that's vital, isn't it? I think one of the things that, uh, that struck me as, a, as an application is that 
Nehemiah gives the people of Jerusalem a choice. He says, basically, you can be paralyzed by fear at the threats coming our way, or you can be galvanized by the vision and go for the vision. Um, And you've got a choice. And I think whenever we face opposition, we sometimes feel like we haven't got any choice in this. We've just got to give up or get deflated. Um, But we always have a choice. And, you know, it's about making sure that we make the right choices and we keep going after what God has called us to do uh, and not give up. You know, not not just see opposition as a as a sign for us to pack it all in. Yeah, yeah. Push. Keep pushing. Yeah. Keep pushing. Yeah. Pray until something happens. <laughs> <laughs> Keep praying. I think one of the other things is, um, I mean, we were talking about this before about you know Nehemiah's leadership, uh, and you know, not everyone sees themselves as a leader, but here Nehemiah inspires those around him to go after the vision and to go after what God wants. And we might not be leaders, but we can all inspire others just by speaking positively, by pointing people to what God has called us to do, uh, by getting our hands dirty, by just being involved. We can be an inspiration to others to encourage them to in the rebuilding of whatever it is we need to rebuild. And I think that's... Yeah, Maya inspired many other... For want of a better expression, many leaders, you know, because he mm. set them up around the wall in the families, in the groups to defend an area and the, yeah. and the, and the, the people responsible for all these different different parts of, of the build under his, you know, as guidance. But he inspired people to step up. And I think we, you know, as a church, you know, we need to look at doing that. You know, leadership can take many different forms, you know, uh, and each person has their own responsibility to, go in the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. It's not just for the, exactly. the, the vicars, is it? No, no. You know, and at some point, we've all got to pick up a brick. Yes. And get, you know, just uh, do something. And make that decision. Where we're going to put decision. it. Exactly. Uh, I think one of the other things that just struck me um, is uh, we see it in this chapter, and we also saw it in chapter two. Uh, Nehemiah never makes a hasty decision. Oh. So, uh, in chapter two, we saw how he, he, on his own, went around the walls to see the state of the walls before he called others to follow the vision. Uh, and then here, um, in verse 14, uh, he says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to them all, don't be afraid. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that we as Christians need to just hold on to. You know, we're talking at the moment, aren't we, about uh, rebuilding the church and Southport and and people will get really keen to get involved in action which is absolutely great but at some point we've just got to look over at what's going on and make sure we're doing the right thing at the right time because what we yeah. don't want to do is waste our time and energy on things that God hasn't called us to do um, yeah. I think there's something there for us around just you know always just being aware of knowing what the facts are I think that it's interesting about knowing what the, what the facts are. I always say to Bethany, when Bethany quotes me somebody, I say, where's he from? Who's he represent? Who's financing him? What's his agenda? You know, because you can say, but this person says this, so therefore it must be correct. And that's, that when I do my looking at that, that's Sam Ballot. You know, Sam Ballot came from Samaria. And Samaria was going to be really affected if Jerusalem regained prominence. 
Samaria was the main city. So he had a massive personal interest on destroying this enterprise. Mm. And we can't ignore that. You have to think, who's opposing us? Why are they opposing us? Don't just take it what they say is gospel. Mm. Uh, but it very often won't be. That's and right. that comes from Christians as well, unfortunately. Exactly. We need to look at the issue behind the issue sometimes and, and yeah. get, fully understand what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and I loved your point about, you know, fighting for your sons and daughters and your wives. And I think, you know, one of the application points for me is that I looked at that, is that, you know, when we're talking about rebuilding Southport, creating a better future for Southport, what we're talking about is creating a better future for our families. Yeah. Because most of us will have families here in some way, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, younger kids or parents or whatever. Uh, we're not just looking at this as a, a nice idea. Uh, or just to make a better place to live in for us. We are doing this for our families and for the kids who follow us, for their kids. Uh, it's, it's about building for them. Uh, and in that sense, it's personal. It's not abstract for us. It is deeply personal. When we're talking about rebuilding Southport, it is personal for us, and we need to see it that way. I would love it. I, I, I look at... Uh... Bill Johnson's church in Redding, California, and the amount of money that they pour into that town because mm. the town knows that that church loves that town. Yeah. I know our, you know, our strap line is Christchurch at the heart of Southport with a heart for Southport, but right now I'm not convinced how many people in Southport outside our church would, would know or think that we have a heart for Southport. Mm. It'd be wonderful to see that part of the vision become a reality, not in our lives, but in the lives of those who don't come to our church, that yeah. we're known for that. Exactly. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. So let's just uh, start to wind this up. Um, we're just going to give you a couple of questions to think about. So uh, one of my questions is this. Where is fear either demoralizing or paralyzing you? Because, you know, that, that was the thing that gripped the people in Jerusalem. And what have you learned out of this that would help you move into action? I think that would be one question I'd want to ask people. You got one, Rob? Question for me. Yeah, a question for me is, um, Nehemiah was a man of vision. And we're a church that has a vision. Which part of our vision are you currently trying to achieve? That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> Have you just thought of that one? That's a great uh, you know, it's come to me over the past half hour. Just off the top of your head, it's brilliant. That's yeah. a great question. Um, I suppose, yeah, and I think you know, one of the questions I would uh, want to pick up on is how are you praying and fighting for Southport? You know, that whole idea of if carrying a weapon for them is for us a bit like prayer, how are you, how are you contending for Southport in prayer? Uh, what do you need to do to, to develop that a little bit further? Uh, are the people that you can pray with for that, either as a missional community or friends within church, or perhaps even other churches? Have you got another one, Rob? Yeah, it's slightly linked to that. It, it comes from out of verse uh, 20. If you've got an issue, if you need help, who do you call on? Mm. We're a family. Have you got somebody that you can just pick up that phone to, you know, or, or in your group? How can you work out what do you do when you've got an issue? That, you know, who do you call on? 
Because yeah. we all need a body, support network, an accountability partner, prayer trip, whatever you want to call it. And I think we can easily not have that. We can just turn it along and not get that put in place. Mm. I think you know that that idea can develop into you know if you are if you've got people you're gathering around you in some sense, uh, how are you going to develop that into not just support and prayer, but also action? Okay, we're going to bring that to an end. Uh, thank you, Rob, for joining me on this. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the first edition of Deeper. Um, if you've got ideas on how we can improve it, we're always open to those ideas, so just let me know. Um, and we'll provide another one of these next week based on Nehemiah chapter 5. So. Thank you, and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye.